Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us, and we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day, and I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events, and uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. Amen. Colossians chapter 1, amen, beginning, uh, let's begin in verse number 13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we also have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Amen. Let's jump down to... Uh, verse number 18 and he is the head of the body the church who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead that in all things he might have the preeminence amen and we're going to continue on talking about knowing the will of God let's pray together Jesus I thank you for your word I thank you Lord for the wisdom and the direction and the hope that there is through your word and I pray that would strengthen us, that you would edify us in this house, oh God, that you would give us direction, Lord, that you would give us instruction, that we might walk in that which you have called us to walk in. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. We have been uh, digging deep in this series on knowing the will of God. It's been so very um, uh, informative, and I, I hope that you feel better informed by this now tonight i wanted to start out reading in colossians one of the one of the greatest one god um well they're all great but one of my favorite one god passages about jesus christ having the preeminence amen and talking about jesus christ as being the firstborn uh, among many brethren and the firstborn uh, among the dead so we talked last week about inheritance in Jewish law and we talked about um, a little bit and and we're going to get a little more into that tonight about how important it was uh, to know your rights as someone who receives the inheritance amen and so um, I I wanted to touch on this tonight and and kind of drive home to us that Jesus is our connection to the inheritance. Amen. We can do nothing of our own to receive the inheritance. We don't deserve it. We couldn't earn it. We couldn't buy it. But he did that for us in that we were cut off. The Bible said we were aliens. Amen. That's not talking about little green men flying around on saucers. Amen. Uh, That we were aliens from meaning that we were We were completely foreign and removed, a total different creation from those that were the children of God, that being the Jewish people. Amen. And so, uh, matter of fact, let me just, uh, how deep y'all want to go tonight? Y'all want to snorkel deep or y'all want to put on some scuba gear? Okay, let's let's do that a little bit. Now, I'm I'm going to, this might bake your noodle just a little bit, but just hold on to it. 
when you understand that you, you've heard me talk and teach about that um, the Jewish people felt so strongly that they were the only people of God that so much so that they did not consider any other people or race uh, and not because God said it because they believed it to this degree that they were the only people that God loved and that they were the only people God would bless so much so they they didn't even feel other humans had a soul um, when when Jesus would say for you've heard it said thou shalt not commit adultery then what did Jesus say but I tell you if you look after a woman to lust you have committed adultery in your heart and he's making the law of Moses which was kind of difficult already especially somebody like me that loves bacon he really took it to another level because he was speaking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees who were exempting themselves from certain Mosaic laws by finding a loophole and uh, well they would just go down to a Gentile country and uh, well we're all adults in here and they'd find a prostitute and they wouldn't feel they committed adultery because it, it wasn't a woman. It's just, it's just not a woman in the sense of a Jewish woman. So they felt they were exempt from the law in that portion. This is the problem with religion. Re religion is always about trying to find the loophole that's okay for me. But when you're in a relationship, you don't think like that. You want to do what pleases the person you're in that relationship with. And so Jesus takes it to a level and he says, hey, look, it, you've already said it, but I'm telling you, if you even look after a woman to lust, you've already committed adultery in your heart. You've heard the prophets say, you've heard Moses say, thou shalt not kill. But I'll tell you what, if you hate your brother, you already have a murdering spirit. So Jesus is saying, and the, and the, the religious people are freaking out at this point because they have carved out these little exceptions. This is why when Jesus said, I got to go through Samaria, the 12 went. They weren't going to waste their time. And let's not act like Jesus didn't say to the Syrophoenician woman what he said when she said, heal my daughter. And what did he say to her? Is, do, I, do you think I should give to the dogs what I intended to give to the children? Now, I've heard us tiptoe around all that and he didn't really mean it. He meant it. She was not Jewish. I know that's hard for some of us to swallow, but just take another drink. He said it. He said, what, you, you expect me to give what I intended for, the, for my children? To give it to a dog? But, but what happened? Her faith, she said, she said, yeah, but even the dogs get the crumbs. And man, that just kind of, it stirred, it moved Jesus. He said, wow, yeah, I'll take care of your daughter. Don't worry about it. Right? So you got to understand the mindset. How deep y'all want to go? Do we need to decompress here for a minute? We, we good? Okay, let's go down a little bit more. Let's, let's bear down on this a little bit more. Um. I'm trying to think. Should I or shouldn't I? Shall I or shan't I? I think you're mature enough to handle this. 
um, there, there, there's, um, and the Orthodox rabbis believe there are, and I'm, you know, I, I can lean one way or the other. I don't, it's not a salvific understanding, meaning that it's not going to cause you salvation or not. But uh, the Orthodox Jewish people believe that there were two creations of men spoken of in the Bible. You ever notice that in the book of Genesis that in God created man? And then a few verses later it says, and God created Adam and Eve. <laughs> this is where some people go, I don't know about that, Pastor. Well, just hold on. They believe this is where God created the human race. Then God said, now I'm going to make my people. Now, I'm not saying it's right or it's wrong. I'm just saying that's what the Orthodox Jewish people believe. So you've got to understand their mindset. Okay? We're not just any people. We were carved out of the dust by the hand of God to be his chosen people. Okay? Now, don't, don't run out here and start getting some kind of kooky ideas, okay? Now, you said you could handle this, so... Amen. There's a lot of stuff in there that might blow your mind. Um, and so a lot of the Orthodox, not, not all Jewish people believe this, but a lot of the ultra-Orthodox and Orthodox Jews believe this, that they were, that w when they said you are a chosen people, it, it, they, they felt that God, and they believed, and a lot of them to this day believe that God created a whole different race of humans, that this is why, <laughs> I believe it's Matthew traces Jesus all the way back, not just to Abraham, but to Adam. Why? Because he's showing the Jewish people. See, he goes all the way back to where it started for us. Amen? So you, you kind of get a picture now why the Jewish people felt pretty special about themselves, right? See, God created Adam and Eve and he set them in this garden and said, this is where it's going to begin. And so all of this begins to happen. So they have this, this understanding that we are, a, we are a special people. We're a special people. You know, people have done that throughout history and it's ended up disastrous. So we're the special people. It's happened all throughout history. It's, it's not relegated to any continent or any color of people. It's happened to every kind of people throughout the history of mankind. We are the superiors. The most recent one that we stick to the most is, is the Nazis in the 30s and 40s, and that didn't work out too good for them. We're the superior. There were superior races. Uh, um, uh, the Incas said they were the superior race among all the tribes, and they dominated the Aztecs and then the, um, uh, the Sioux, and then you, you, you trace it to any people. And it doesn't work out when you get that mindset that we are the best and everything else is impure. And it didn't work out very well for the Jewish race either. Because their mindset caused them to reject Jesus. Amen. So then Jesus connects us and says, this is what I'm trying to show you. This is why it was so hard for the Jewish people to understand that God would turn, not, not reject the Jews. The Jews can still be saved. They just have to be saved by accepting Jesus Christ. Repenting of their sins, being baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, now, 
don't, don't, you know, I'll take you to the woodshed on this one. People, there's people out there teaching that the Jewish people are going to be saved if they survive the seven years of tribulation. They're only going to be saved if they accept Jesus Christ as Messiah. That's the only way anybody's going to be saved. Except a man be born again of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. There are no carved out exemptions. So it, it blew the mind of the, the Jewish people when God turned to Cornelius and filled him with the Holy Ghost. That's why the Bible says in the book of Acts, they of the circumcision, you know what that means? The law of Moses, they were Jewish. Those of the Jewish faith who had been filled with the Holy Ghost, when they saw Cornelius and his household, Romans, who were the lowest of the low in the Jewish mind, they were occupied. They hated them more than they hated anybody. And God fills with the Holy Ghost a Roman and his household, who in his household were more Romans and people of other ethnicities that were, that were non-Jewish. And the Bible said they were astonished when the Holy Ghost fell on them. Y'all with me? That word astonished is probably paralleled to freaked out. When they saw, Jew, saw non-Jewish people receiving the Holy Ghost, I mean, it was a total... I'm doing my best Fred Sanford there, all right? Just clutching their chest, staggering back. I can't believe it. But how did they know the Gentile people had received the Holy Ghost? Huh? They heard them speaking in tongues. And they said, wow, God has filled them with the Holy Ghost just like he's filled us with the Holy Ghost because we heard them speaking with tongues. Now, can any man forbid these water that they might not be, they might be baptized? Amen. So, this is where the astonishment comes in. This is, now I'm going somewhere, but I'm going to Colossians 1 with this, and then we're going to go to the prodigal, and then we're going to bounce around a little bit. This is why Simon Peter was, well, he held on to his prejudice for a long time. God, God shows him in a vision. Y'all remember this one? God lets down a, a blanket or a net or, or quilt or whatever it was. Grandma's quilt off the sofa. Lets it down by the four corners and there's all kinds of unclean animals on it. And he says, and the Lord speaks to him. He knows it's the Lord Jesus because he knows his voice, right? And it, it happens in a vision. And he says, rise, slay and eat. And there's porky pig over there. And there's some shrimp and crawfish, all these unclean animals. And he says, rise, slay, and eat. And Peter was indignant. He was offended at God. Let me say this. Let me, y'all want to go a little bit deeper? Because it was more than just dietary. Because those animals represented non-Jewish nations. Go back and look it up. He likened other Jewish nations to the pigs, to the unclean animals, 
See, God drove separation so hard into the people of Israel. He didn't just want them separated in the way they dress and the way they worship. He even wanted them separate in the way they eat and how they grow their food. Because God's a holy God. It's amazing in the last 60, 70 years, we've gotten away from this. Well, God don't care about holiness. Yes, he does. He's always, it's the, it's the one single biggest attribute of God that's replete through scripture. He's holy, he's holy, he's holy, he's holy. Which means he is a separate, he's separate. So he says, be holy as I am. He drilled it into the Jewish people so much. He said, I want you to grow your food the way they grow their food. I don't want you to eat your food the way they eat their food. I don't want you to talk like they talk. I don't want you to walk like they walk. I, none of that. Amen. All right. So when Jesus tells Simon Peter, ride, slay, and eat, it's more than the food. He's, Simon Peter's saying, you mean you want me to become like them? Can we just be real for a moment? Now, I know we think the apostles and everybody in the Bible... Where they had little wings on their back and little halos on their head and they were perfect. Peter had a, he was a racist. Now you may not want to use that word and he had to get it out of him. He had the Holy Ghost and still struggled with racism. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Because Jesus says, he was an apostle of the Lamb. And he's still struggling with it. That's how hard it was ingrained in him. So let me just, let me just hold on a second. Be patient with your brother and sister when they're still struggling with things they've dealt with their whole life. Be patient. Be long-suffering. Be kind. There, there's some things they've been ingrained in. That it's going to take a little while for the Holy Ghost to undo in them. We all couldn't be as perfect as you when you come out of the waters of baptism. We're talking about a few years after Pentecost. And at the Lord says to Peter, rise, slay, and eat. He says, I would never. I can just see him doing his best, you know. just so indignant I would I have never even touched anything unclean man he's telling Jesus hey I've never even thought about eating it much less of I I haven't even kicked a pig out of my way I've never even used shrimp for bait he's letting Jesus know I've never stooped myself to even engage with uncleanliness. That's why I didn't follow you to Samaria, Jesus. I was too holy for that. What is Jesus telling? Who are you? Who do you think you are to tell me that anything I've created is unclean? See, he didn't even pick up on, I think it was John 9, when, when uh, they were trying to trip Jesus up on, on dietary laws and, and, and laws, and Jesus said, it's not what goes in the mouth that defiles the man or what goes out of the mouth that defiles the man. And the Bible says, therefore, Jesus declared all foods clean. 
The word cleaning is the, is the Hebrew word. If you look it up, it means kosher. I would have been jumping up going, take me to Waffle House. I want some bacon right now. If everything's clean, let's put this to the test. Right? If, it's, if everything's clean, I've been hearing these heathen Gentiles talk about pork belly bacon for years. Let me have a piece. I want some fried catfish. I'm going to jump off in the deep end. I ain't easing into it. I'm jumping all the way off in it. I have my gallbladder taken out. The doctor comes in. He says, listen, you're going to have to change the way you eat. You can't eat the way you used to eat. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, greasy foods, you ain't going to be able to eat them anymore. This is last year, a couple years ago, and I had my emergency surgery. I said, well, things you couldn't. He's like, you, probably not, you may not be able to drink coffee, uh, uh, eat greasy foods like fried chicken or, or, or bacon. I said, bacon? You go get that thing out of the trash and put it right back in. I can live with that. I got to have my bacon. He says, so we, got, we got a diet for you. You know, you're going to ease you in it. We'll see what food you can't eat, but your diet's going to have to change. You ever ate hospital food? Now, I'm going to tell you, you can label that food unclean. That's some of the nastiest food there is on planet Earth. No wonder people are dying trying to get out of there. Hey, man, that food's terrible. It's terrible food. I think even starving people go, no, nah, I'm good. I'll, I'll take that cockroach in the corner. I don't want to eat that mess. That stuff is gross. Kind of, we had an elderly um, black lady several years ago in our church in Vacaville, and she was from Oklahoma, and she was, she was at like 87. And she called me at the hospital, and she said, Pastor, you got to come pray for me. So I went up to the hospital and uh, went and prayed for her. She said, they're going to put a feeding tube in me. And, and I said, and the doctor's standing there saying, yeah, we're going to put a feeding tube. I said, why? He, she says, uh, I, because I can't eat. And I'm looking at the tray of food. And I, I, said, I, I said, the doctor, can she just eat anything? He said, anything. We're going to put a tube in her because she had cancer and she, and she just won't eat. And I looked at the doctor and I said, well, I wouldn't eat that junk either. I said, but I, I said I'll be back in about... I'll be back in three hours. He goes, okay, because if she don't eat, we're going to put it, that feeding tube in her in about six hours. So I went home, and I made some black-eyed peas and ham hock and some homemade cornbread, and I brought it back up there, and I sat on the edge of the bed, and I fed her, and she ate it, and they didn't put that feeding tube in her, and she went home two days later. She ate black-eyed peas, cornbread, for two days and she was able to go home. Amen. So there's power in black eyed peas and cornbread. I'm telling you right now. And so Peter says, look, I don't even touch unclean things. Peter was so devoted to the, now, if you were to say that to Peter, hey, you're prejudiced, he wouldn't have said, no, no, no. I am just chosen. See, he didn't see it from that perspective. But Jesus is trying to show him, dude, you got to get over this. Because I'm about, to, I'm about to pour the Holy Ghost out on the Gentiles. And so, what happens? Cornelius' house, the Bible says, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell. I don't think anybody was more surprised that the Holy Ghost fell on the Gentiles than Peter. I believe while he's preaching, the Bible said the Holy Ghost fell. They started speaking in tongues right while he was preaching. Brother Moreno, I believe he just stopped and went. I don't, no, 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 no. No, I, how do we even do this? Are y'all circumcised? 
Read Acts 15. It was a big problem. You got catfish in the cooler? You, you, you can't receive it. It, would, it rocked their world. I'm saying all that to say we were aliens. A completely different species of people to the Jewish faith until Jesus came. And he shed his blood for us. And he purchased our salvation and redeemed us. And the Bible said we are, we are the new branch grafted into the old vine. Amen. And what that is is God took from this alien species of people that is Gentiles and he said I'm going to graft you into the old root system and he put us in there so that so that now our root system is no longer what our earthly parents are amen I did the whole ancestry DNA thing and found out that you know I I really thought there was going to be something in me like I really thought there's going to be like 2% I was pulling for it 2% sub-Saharan 1% Native American got to be in there somewhere and it turned out I'm so white I make snow look tan <laughs> nothing and so that what he was saying was it doesn't matter what your heritage is if you're Scottish if you're Irish if you're German if you're Russian if you're Chinese if you're African you're Australian you're South American it doesn't matter because once you got baptized in Jesus name and filled with the Holy Ghost and you became a part of the church of the living God all of a sudden he took you and he cut you off from that old root system and he put you from who you were and who your mama was and who your grandpa was and he grafted you into this ancient root system over here and you become the people of God not by birth not not because of your genetics but because of the grace of almighty God and now you don't have to claim the diseases of your forefathers you don't got to claim the addictions of your grandparents you don't got to claim the cancer of your parents you are now grafted into an old root system that says I am the chosen of God I am the favored of God I I am blessed of God. Isn't that beautiful? Now you see why it freaked him out. Now you see why it was such a big deal for the Jewish people. It was like, wow. And then they got together and said, well, man, if they're getting the Holy Ghost and we're baptizing them, well, then uh, they all need to get circumcised. <laughs> And Cornelius and all them are like, well, hold on a minute. We got to do what? Well, not only that, you're going to need to obey uh, dietary laws. And so that's why in Acts 15, you got, you got Peter and Paul are going at it. They're, I mean, they're fighting in front of the whole church. And then James has to stand up and say, shut up. Well, he called Peter, he called Peter Simon. Nobody called him Simon since Jesus had changed his name to Peter. He rebuked Peter and said, you got to watch your mouth. Paul was accused. You know what Paul was saying about Peter? <laughs> Y'all want this? He was saying, you know what? You are so two-faced. He said, you go to the Gentiles and you preach to them the gospel and they're saved. But yet if a Gentile comes around you and you're around Jewish people, you won't even acknowledge they exist. And they're, I mean, they're, and they're going at it. 
because it was so hard for them to comprehend that now God is allowing the Gentile people to have the same access to God that the Jewish people have. And James stopped it in Acts 15 by saying this. He said, now we have heard through the testimony of Peter and of Paul how that the Holy Ghost has fallen upon the Gentiles and how God has called out of the Gentiles a people, an ecclesia, a people for his namesake. And a circumcision not made with man's hands, but what? A circumcision of the heart. And it was revolutionary. They were just, so that brings me to Colossians, where now, remember how many times have we quoted this? If any man be in Christ, he is of the seed of Abraham. That's why I'm at, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. You're not the alien creation you were, that I was. I become a new creation. I am now of the seed of Abraham. It's not the literal seed. My DNA does not trace back to the, to the Semitic region of the world, but my spiritual DNA connects to Abraham. And so every birthright of the Hebrew people now come to those who are born again of the water and of the spirit, who are a part of the church of the living God, the bride of Christ. We become heirs. This is what Paul's writing. Paul's writing it to a people that can barely even process this. They're just like, you know, like they were just a bunch of cultish, weird people. They were pagans, you know. Do you realize how weird them people were? I mean, we think, you know, people going out and, you know, doing whatever is weird. I mean, they were like, like it was rituals to, to, to go in. Well, I'm not going to go into that. Side. I mean, it was wild, folks. Pagan religion back then was wild. It wasn't these dingbats now who are trying to have a Satan club after church. No, they would go in and have orgies in the temples. That's what's called worship. And then all of a sudden now Paul says, no, 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 no. You're not of that anymore. You're going to serve one God. You mean not the goddess Diana, not the god Thor, not, 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 not all these other gods and, and, and Pan and all these others, God and goddess. He said, no, there's one God now. There's one God now. Yeah, and it goes back thousands of years. It goes back to, yeah, and you are a part of that now. You can lay claim to the same birthright that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob have. You can lay birthright claim to the same birthright that David had, that Solomon had, that Isaiah had, that Joel had, that any Jewish person has because now you are born again into the kingdom of God and now God has turned to the Gentiles and said, if they don't want me and you you just come right on in and I'm not going to make you a lesser than them. I'm going to give you equal partnership. I'm going to bring you in this as if you had always been in it. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to bring you into it as if you have always been a part of it. I, I, I was reading a book not too long ago on the rise of the Third Reich and, and how they started breaking up the, the, the uh, peoples of, of uh, when they took over Austria and, and, and Germany uh, and they began to say that, that you were, you were uh, they had classes and all of a sudden you, you weren't, if you were, if you were a Jewish, you were a, 
you had a, you didn't have citizenship to Germany, so you lost all your rights, so you were a second class or a subpar citizen. You see, when, when Jesus saved the Gentile people, he didn't say, okay, you're saved now, and, and you got most of the rights of the Jewish people. You got, you got most of the blessing of Abraham or some of it. No, that's what he said in Colossians 1, that he was the firstborn among many brethren. He was the firstborn from among the dead. In other words, when the Bible said Jesus has made us heirs and joint heirs with Christ, Jesus stepped in tracing his lineage all the way back to Abraham, all all the way back to Adam. Jesus stepped in and said, here, let me connect you here to the birthright because I am the son of God. I'm going to bring you into fellowship with the father. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to bring you into a connection of a birthright you could have never got on your own. You would have never known about this, but because you are born again of the water and of the spirit, because you have come out from the world and made yourself separate unto the Lord and he becomes your father and we become his sons and daughters because of that I am a joint heir with Christ so every blessing every promise that Jesus Christ ever had coming to him because he was a Jewish man now comes to me not because I'm a Jewish man but because I'm born again of the water and of the spirit I'm now connected to this it's my birthright it's my it's my heritage. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, man. I know you believe it, but I wish we could believe it like they believe it. No, I want to I wanna believe. I want to believe in my birthright. I want to believe in my inheritance just like the Hebrew people believe in their birthright and their inheritance. I told you the story about the Jewish man I sat with on the plane uh, uh, for, for hours. And, we, and he looked at me so confused. He said, you say you're of the seed of Abraham by faith and you're just like me. And he said, how come you don't get this yet? You say you believe in one God. You don't understand this. In other words, what he was saying was, you say you believe, but you just don't believe at the level we believe. We, it, it's hard for us to, to think about that. Uh, uh, to that level but I'm going to tell you something he has the Bible said in Colossians that Jesus has the preeminence in all things that means he's the head honcho he's the big cheese he's El Patron he's the man literally the man and the God Together at the same time. Verse 20 of Colossians 1 says, And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him. What's he reconciling? Mankind unto himself to make us heirs and joint heirs. Let me uh, turn to another scripture here as we start. Um, putting the landing gear down. Go with me to Mark chapter 10. And let's start at verse 17. Amen. Mark chapter 10 and verse 17. So last week we talked about the, the, the prodigal and um, we talked about how the inheritance that he had 
Um, I'm not going to go much, and I may go back into that next week a little bit. But I wanted to show you a, uh, another instance in Scripture um, of someone who had re received an inheritance. Let's start at verse 17. Amen. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? He said it in a way I don't think anybody else said it. Go with me on this one. Everybody else says, what must we do to be saved? He doesn't say that. He says, what do I got to do to inherit eternal life? Does anybody know who this is, by the way? The Bible don't give him a name, but we call him the what? We call him the what? The rich, young ruler. We don't have his name. His name would be Joe Bob for all we know. We don't, we don't know what his name is. Um, your guess is as good as mine. Be glad it's not in the pits for all we know. But he wants to know, how can I inherit? <laughs> Eternal life. Why would he ask it like that? That's such a funny way of saying it. Right? That's such a funny way of saying it. People have a funny way of saying things when they intend something. When they have a, a motive to it. My, my pastor, Bishop Hurst, years ago when they were evangelizing. Uh, you're rested now, right? You had a good vacation. What time did I start? Okay. You can text it to me. That is forever going to be our thing. Amen. And so they, they, this is back in the 70s uh, when they were evangelizing with um, horse-pulled wagons. Please tell Bishop Hurst I said that. And they were camping out, you know, under the stars and but no, they were, they were preaching at this church and this pastor kept telling them that at the end of this revival, I'm going to take y'all to this steakhouse. It's like a five-star steakhouse. And he kept, he just kept telling them how great the steaks were and he's going to take care of them. He's going to treat them, you know. And so this went on for like four weeks during this revival. This is back when, that's back when they had seven night a week revivals twice on Sunday. He said, we get to the revival and this pastor just keeps telling them, we're going to go to the steakhouse. I'm gonna, you're going to eat like royalty. It's the best steak you'll ever have. So... They get to the steakhouse, and they open the menu, and, well, I mean, it's, it's a really nice steakhouse. So, you know, the prices for the steak was really expensive back then, you know. $3 in the 70s was a lot for a steak. I'm just kidding. I am teasing. I am teasing. Don't throw anything at me, Sister Elba. I'm just joking. And so, they're looking at the menu like, wow, this is pricey. But the guy has been saying, you know, get whatever you want. This is the greatest steakhouse ever. And so... He looks at the menu, and he looks at them, and he looks at the menu, and looks at them, and he closes it up, and he says, um, I will just be having a salad. What will you just be having? 
See, see, that funny way of saying it was intimating to them or suggesting to them, I can't afford this steak. I can only afford a salad. So what salad are you going to have at the steakhouse I've been talking about for four weeks? So the, the rich young ruler was saying it from the condition of his life. The woman at the well says, give me this water that I thirst not neither. She cried out from the position of her life. And the rich young ruler, or from the understanding of her life. And the rich young ruler calls out in desperation from the understanding of his life. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus has got a way of digging in your no digging zone. To the woman at the well, he says, go get your husband. <laughs> she said, disqualified credit check denied she said I ain't got a husband he goes you're right you got some man issues been married five times shacking up with number six I ain't got time to preach it but you know the you know what the number seven represents in the Bible completion and perfection isn't it funny she's been married five times living with the six and there comes the seventh man his name's Jesus That didn't cost you anything. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Next verse, Brother Garza, if you would. And Jesus said unto him, why, why callest thou me good? Why callest thou me? Quit sucking up to me. That's what he's saying. You ain't got to schmooze me like you schmoozed your pappy. You well old silver-tongued young man. With, that's great speech, this. I throw out all these euphemisms and it's hard to translate. Sometimes it hits me. I get it. it means he speaks real well. He says, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one. That is God. He totally disarmed his charm. He just went and just broke it. So he broke him down to who he was. Just a man. Next verse. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor, honor thy father and mother. Next verse. And he answered and said unto him, Yes, yes, I got this. I've done all of that since my youth. I'm in like Flint, man. It's, this is going to be easy. Whoo. I can hear him, man. I can hear this rich young ruler. I mean, he is just talking so smooth. Y'all see this? Y'all see it? I mean, he's got a voice so sweet, just listening to him will give you diabetes. He said, I've done all of that from my youth. Notice he said, I've observed it. Go to verse 21. 
Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. One thing thou lackest, go thy way. Sell whatsoever thou hast and give to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come take up your cross and follow me. One of the most unique invitations Jesus ever gave to anybody. Do you know if he would have done that and followed Jesus, we would be preaching more about Jim Bob, Jimmy Jack, whatever his name is. We'd know his name. You know, we would probably preach more about him than we do Peter or Thomas or Luke or Matthew. Because we would be talking about how he gave everything away to the poor and he took and he followed Jesus and he didn't regret it a day of his life. Go to one more verse. And he was sad at that saying. And went away grieved for he had great possessions. He couldn't part with a temporal inheritance to receive eternal life. Even in his mind, it was an inheritance. He equated eternal life with just receiving something without doing anything. Now let me be very clear. You ain't got to do anything to be saved, except repent of your sins. <laughs> be baptized in his name, filled with the Holy Ghost, right? It's free through obedience. Now, you can't do anything to earn it, but this rich young ruler, in his mind, he says, I'm going to butter the man up. And I'm going I'm to flatter him a little bit. And then I'm going I'm to get him. Because evidently he's done this before. But the most amazing thing to me, Brother John, is the Bible said Jesus loved him. Do you ever find that phraseology, Jesus says that, they say, that Mark would say that about anybody else? In that manner? Just out of the blue, some dude? And he loved him. He said, we're going to see if you want to inherit eternal life. If you're willing to part with the inheritance you've received in this life. And he couldn't. His identity, listen to me, his identity was so married to his earthly inheritance that he couldn't part ways with it. He couldn't walk away from it. Now, that's why I'm saying this. You've got to know who you are in Jesus. You've got to know that you are the beloved of Christ. You are the called, the chosen of God, a royal nation, a peculiar people, a chosen generation, amen, a royal priesthood. That's who we are. And that we are the inheritors of the inheritance from God. But my identity is not going to be tied up in my blessing. How many people you know serve God while everything's good? Maybe they come to God when all hell is broke loose. But when everything starts getting better, then all of a sudden, they don't need it so much anymore. Or 
while everything's going good and man they're riding that gravy train first class and all of a sudden they start getting bumps isn't it amazing how the first thing they cut out of their life is God amen the Lucas Cumber I'm gonna keep going I can go on this all night it's amazing to me I've just I watch people who will you know brother Roberto they'll they'll hit they'll hit a financial wall just like that and the first thing they do, Sister Elva, you've been serving God long enough. You know what I'm talking about. They'll hit that financial wall and they'll say, oh, I, I, I can't pay tithe anymore. Never consider cutting off their cable, reducing their cell phone plan, not going to Starbucks. It is always, I mean, they really are God first. Brother Moreno, you know what I'm talking about. How, how many... You, you've been in this a long time. How many young couples, how many men have you sat down with in families that were hitting it a hard time? You were, Elder, you were a deacon in your church. You sat with them, and they were having hard financial times, and they said, we just, we just can't, we just, I'm working too much, so I need to sleep instead of go to church. Isn't it amazing? They didn't cut out playing softball. They didn't cut out, you know, all the extra. They cut out. Because as soon as their blessings started being messed with, they walk away. You're blessed of God no matter what. I wanted specifically in this lesson, before we go any further, and we start talking more about the blessing, the inheritance on this, to know that the identity as who I am as a child of God is not singularly wrapped up in my bank account, my wardrobe, the vehicle I drive. Because whether I'm broke or I'm rich. Paul said this, he said, I've learned to both abase and abound. He said, I've learned to be with and I've learned to be without. He said, I've learned to be hungry and I've learned to be full. That's what he said. He said, I served him when I was naked and I served him when I had clothes because that does not identify me. My relationship with Jesus Christ, that's what matters. Amen. I know the will of God. I'm blessed. He, he never, if he never does another thing for me, I'm already the most blessed man on this earth. You couldn't be more blessed than me, Brother Roberto, if you tried. You couldn't. Sister Elva, you couldn't be more blessed than me if you tried. Try your best, you couldn't. And you ought to feel the same way about it, too. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. God's going to give you raises, promotions, settlements. God's going to give you bonuses and new jobs and great opportunities. And these blessings are going to come your way. Shout about them when they come. Rejoice about it. Don't be like the rich young man who when he had to separate from his earthly inheritance was not willing to receive an eternal inheritance. Amen. Brother Lucas been, told me a few weeks ago about another blessing he got on his job. And I'm going to be honest with you, so many of y'all have texted me and called, I got one today young man for years has been trying to get into uh, a 
police academy for years. And I mean years, but because of his health, they wouldn't let him in because he is a type 1 diabetic, born with diabetes. Nobody would hire him. He, that's all he's wanted to be his whole life as a police officer. And, and I'm going to go ahead and spoil the news for you. He called you today. Called me today. Balling, squalling. Because today he got accepted. He actually got an offer from the sheriff's department. Even with diabetes. And I said, and I said, he's just crying. He said, Pastor, you know, I've tried for years. I've tried for years. I've tried for years. I said, yeah, I know. I said, but see what happens when you get your life in alignment with God's will. There was, I said, there was too many ups and downs and in and outs when you're walking with God. But when you put God first and you commit your soul, it is amazing what happens. And I said, now I want you to embrace this today. Soak it up like a dry sponge. Hug your kids. Plant a big old wet kiss on your wife. Celebrate this. Remember this day. Because there's going to be some hellish moments in your future. Let your identity be tied up in just this moment. Amen. Would you stand with me tonight? I believe God is already in the process of taking and elevating some of y'all. Blessing some of y'all been so blessed in every aspect of your life. And I believe there are people in our, our churches that God's going to raise up be incredibly successful entrepreneurs and God's going to bless you in the financial side and all that but listen listen that's not that's not who you are that's just a benefit amen praise God what you are is a child of God you're a joint heir with Christ God could have done in the life of that rich young man. I wonder what nations could have been reached by that rich young ruler if he had sold everything and just took up his cross and followed Jesus. He couldn't hold on. He couldn't part with his Cadillac to pick up a cross. But if you're willing to pick up your Nothing matters more than my relationship with Jesus Christ. That's it. You know, that's what the prodigal learned. He just wanted to go back and be in relationship with his dad. He said, Dad, I just want any relationship with you. I'm not even worthy to be called your son. Just make me a hired help. relationship matters with 
Would you just slip your hands up to the Lord? Just take a moment. Would you just pray with me right now? Lord Jesus, I thank you for the hope of eternal life. I thank you, Lord, for the blessing that there is in walking in communion and in fellowship with you. Lord, I'm praying right now strengthen us through your word would you ignite this within our spirit oh God and draw us oh Lord ever closer to you to be and walk in that relationship with you oh that's it why don't you just go ahead and talk to me for a few moments I feel the Holy Ghost just moving in this place right now hallelujah 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 Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.